You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. The Green Party has voted to reopen the position of co-leader to other delegates. This vote means that James Shaw, the current co-leader, has not been confirmed as Green Party co-leader. And even though Shaw and Davidson were the only nominations, the party's construction has allowed for these nominations to reopen the position since it's crossed the 25% threshold of votes. I will be quickly joined by Dr. Lara Greaves, Senior Lecturer on Politics and International Relations at Auckland University, to discuss more about the Green Party's move to reopen the co-lead position and what it will mean for the Green Party's future in Parliament in the way that it is structured. This will be an explainer-style interview, so everyone get comfortable and get ready to learn. Kia ora. Can you hear me, Lara? Yeah, kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you so much for joining me on air this morning. You're welcome. Always keen to talk about the Greens and political <laughs> happenings. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, so first up, uh, can we just have a quick overview perhaps of what is currently happening? Because from my understanding, this vote is occurring as the party vote has crossed the 25% threshold. But um, can you perhaps explain a bit more about this vote and what it means for opening up the position for the Green Party? So first I would start with that every political party gets to set its own rules and they have their own constitution, kind of like what a club would have, a sports club or an incorporated society. They set their own rules as to how they deal with things like leadership, candidate selection, their MPs and all of those sorts of things. And so in terms of the Green Party, the Green Party have quite the set of rules. It's kind of one of the longer constitutions. And they really, because they really pride themselves on being quite open and democratic, and that's really aligning with who they are, their ideology and where they occupy on the political spectrum. Um, We'll call them like a left-wing social justice and environmental party. And so in this case, what happens is parties have a yearly conference and have votes on matters that matter to them and, and various things. And in this case, basically the Green Party every year, they reconfirm their leaders. And in this case, James Shaw has not been reconfirmed as a leader. So as you had mentioned, more than 25% of delegates um, voted to no, um, didn't want to reconfirm him as leader. So what happens now is there's a week that will go by um, from last Saturday to see if anyone else nominates themselves to run against Shaw. And then if, if someone does nominate themselves, then there will be about a month um, where there's an election to reconfirm or like re-vote in a new, new co-leader to sit opposite Marama Davidson. Good. Okay, thank you. That was quite a good clarification of it. So the Green Party has come up with this way of organising and obviously having a bit of representation as well for their spokespersons as co-leaders. How then will this vote affect uh, Green portfolios and operations and communications within government, uh, specifically with Labour, if perhaps James Shaw is not re-elected as a co-leader? How will it change up the dynamic um, within Parliament? Uh, so the first thing to note is that the Greens currently are not technically part of the government, but they have a memorandum of understanding with the Labour Party. So that means that um, Marama Davidson and James Shaw sit as ministers outside of Cabinet. So they don't, they don't have a lot, they don't have very weighty portfolios, but James Shaw is climate change minister. And he's been kind of controversial because a lot of Green Party members have said he's not gone hard on that and is a bit more moderate than what the, the party base likes. But anyway, so he's climate change minister. Jacinda Ardern has confirmed that he would stay as climate change minister. That exists 
that exists independently, that agreement, independently of whoever the leaders are within the Greens. So James Shaw would still sit in that position, even if, say, someone like Chloe Swarbrick had decided to run against him. And there's no evidence at this point that actually any of the sitting MPs are going to run against him. So that sits independently. I think generally what we're looking for um, as political scientists and commentators and people who watch politics is 2023, on current polling, what we would see is maybe a, a Labour Greens to Party Māori pairing versus a National Act pairing. And what we're watching in the polls is whether either of those groupings gets past that 50% and, and can govern. And basically, I think, really, the instability in the Green Party, it's not likely to freak out Green members, um, Green voters, because Green voters are actually... Generally, from political psychology research, we know they can sit with a bit more uncertainty and they're quite happy to be more democratic as a party. But what it's likely to do is kind of create a lot of charge from the right, um, from National and Act, who will say, oh, the Green Party's unstable and they can't be a partner for Labour in the future, and that it's going to be a bit of a mess. So that's, that's kind of the consequences of this leadership contest. That's really interesting how it will create a, a different dynamic, one which is worth discussing and definitely just watching, keeping up to date with for the election next year. And I guess as well in regards to different like oppositions and just mouthpieces for different political parties and groups, um, with the Green Party structure, it is obviously stemming from a grassroots campaign, the Green Party, and that mm. is the way that they configure themselves and the way that they choose to speak about issues such as climate change, which uh, James Shaw does have the portfolio of. Will there be any foreseeable power limitations, perhaps, um, and, and different policy things which could occur under new leadership? Because it is... Um, from my understanding, perhaps a bit difficult to initiate these big plans um, within certain structures and limitations. Mm. So what I'd say is it's incredibly tricky because a lot of people that are involved in the Greens are actually fairly anti-establishment and actually do want to shake up the system. And I think it's pretty clear that we do need a radical restructure of society um, in order to actually mitigate and prevent for further global climate change. Like, that is actually quite clear coming from the evidence. So it's incredibly frustrating for those party members and delegates. But what's likely to happen in this case is it doesn't seem like there's a sitting MP that's going to challenge James Shaw. And in that case, it's very unlikely um, that James Shaw will be unseated as leader. So what's more likely to happen in this case is it's really kind of shaken the leadership a bit. So Madam Davidson and James Shaw were quite shocked that this happened. Mm. Um, and other Green MPs have said that they were quite surprised at it as well. So it's really going to come down to them having to return to their base to really like communicate with them, make them feel heard, and figure out exactly what to do and exactly what to prioritise in those potential coalition talks in 2023. Um, but, yeah, potentially just really makes them makes the leadership surprised and really tries to encourage them to be more left-leaning as, as, a, as a potential positive coming out of this for the delegates. Mm, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Lara, for speaking with me about the Green Party situation, the upcoming election, and where can we go just before uh, I let you go to keep up to date on what is happening just with the current events with the upcoming vote and just to stay informed about Green Party news and just politics? I would say my main one that I'm following at the moment is Radio New Zealand. So, like, their um, they RNZ is, is fairly regularly posting on it. And, um, for example, um, 
the update today that Elizabeth Kitty Kitty's not running. So I would just generally kind of follow the update on RNZ or, or a similar website because it is, it's still a pretty, even though it's, it's not huge, there's not going to be huge political consequences of it, it's still something that, you know, the media likes to follow. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.